Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Codename Sister Podcast. I'm your host, Nandi. Today, we'll be talking about language and trauma. I'm actually just testing out this podcast. I didn't even come on here to say a whole lot of stuff. I just want to see if I can hear a lot of background noise as I talk. I'm still getting acclimated to using a mic and speaking close enough for it to pick me up and speaking clearly enough, especially since, you know, hey, I'm from Louisiana. I mean, I don't know if I have to say any more than that. And while I may not have the accent that so many people are accustomed to hearing, I mean, it comes through, you know, and don't let me really get started, you know, because it can it can really come through. So there are habits that I am attempting to break, like, you know, you know, you know, you know, that is like a habit of mine. The ums come into, I don't know how perfect I'm going to get as far as those things go because they, they are so ingrained, but I'm going to work hard and I will think about what I say before I say it until I get warmed up. Once I get warmed up, I realized that I don't say a lot of those things too often then. It's not a lot of you knows and ums once I get started. I also think I might say and a lot because I was just about to say and and I noticed it. I didn't say it. See, I almost did it again, but it would have been okay in that instance. It's just not okay in a lot of the other instances where I started off with and. And see, the reason I think I do that is because it gives me like the needed delay to add the appropriate word wording to what I want to say, the terminology. So maybe and is a break for me, but I need to break and. Like and needs to like take a vacation and stuff. I'm awkward. <laughs> uh, awkward, awkward, awkward. I think it's awkward, isn't it? It's awkward. See, I told you Louisiana comes out when I'm talking. I just be, and I don't even get offended. If you like laugh at what I say, I don't get no fucks because I know what I'm saying. Okay. It's just like when children are saying something, that's like my little grandson. He, he likes maple syrup in his oatmeal, but for the life of him, he cannot say it correctly, so he asks for make a syrup. So basically, he wants you to make some syrup, but that's not what he's saying. In his mind, he's saying maple syrup, but when it comes out of his mouth to us, it sounds like make a syrup. So we're always teasing him about it. He's like, I said, that's what I said, that's what I said. And in his mind, that's what he's saying. He is saying maple syrup. But his little lips, his, his, his throat and all that stuff that combines to send sound out into the world, it, sound, it comes out as make a syrup. So the same with me. When I say things like in my head, I'm thinking awkward. But when it comes out, it's awkward. Okay? The same thing my son has told me. I have a bad habit of not differentiating between a card and a card you know, the cord. So I'll tell him, I'll ask him, have you seen my card? 
And he's thinking I'm talking like a bank card, something like that. And no, I'm talking about the cord, you know, my charger cord. So I'd be like, my charger card. He's like, oh, your charger card. You mean your cord? Yeah, my my cord. So that whole language thing, it gets, it can get you caught up, but I'm not going to let that be what slows me up. If you know what I mean, I've got a podcast to do. So my listeners, I'm sure the last thing on their mind is going to be, well, I mean, there, there is, there will be some petty people cause I'm petty. So there's, <laughs> there's going to be some petty people that are going to come on like, Oh, I can't believe she mispronounced that like that. And you know what? I don't, I done already told you that you already know, you know, I've been told, uh, by there's a certain person that always tells me, why do you always laugh after you say something? Because usually when I'm laughing is because the conversation is being forced upon me and you're talking to me about something that we should not be having a conversation about. And so my laughter is like, not really laughter. It's really like, will this jackass get the message and like move on? I'm trying to be cordial here. I'm trying to keep this cordial, you know, but you want to just keep on pushing this shit. And you want me to say yes to things that I'm not going to say yes to. So I'm laughing at you because it's just like for real nigga. You know, that's what I'm actually thinking. And I didn't want to say the N word, but that's what I'm thinking. So that's what I'm sharing with you because that's what's in my head at that time when this, when this person, and this is not the only person there have, there are other people who they want you to think the way that they want you to think when they want you to think that way, they want you to respond a certain way when they want you to respond a certain way. And they don't really give a damn whether it affects you, whether it makes you uncomfortable. It's all about their own needs and having their own needs met, you know, because they selfish. I mean, that's what it really boils down to, you know, and I've had people, especially it's, it's always been males because women don't normally test me, but these males will test you. And I ain't not, I'm not necessarily talking about men. I'm talking about males. These males will test you. They'll come with some crap. You know, I've had them come with me like, uh, you don't stay in contact with me. You don't never call me. You don't look, bro, man, the phone works both damn ways. I'm not fixing to run behind you. We ain't got that type of relationship. I ain't sleeping with you. And you know what? Even if I was sleeping with you, if I didn't feel like talking to you, I'm not going to call you. I don't believe in forced conversations. So if I'm not filling up to it, guess who's not fucking ringing your phone. Now, if you are really missing me like crazy, then you pick up the phone and call me and don't keep sending me text messages. I'm hard. Ask my children. I am horrible about returning text messages and you're not serious. If every conversation we have, well, that's not even a conversation. Every bit of communication if the only way you communicate with me is through a damn text message and your phone works, the phones have, your phone has more than one side. It has your data side. It has your text SMS side and it has your voice side. So you have all, you have three means of communication. You can even go on the social media and all these other things, WhatsApp, all of those. So matter of fact, you even have more than you have. And of course those things, you know, come through your data, but you know what I mean? Data, data, whatever the fuck, but you know what I mean? (laughs) You have options as far as making contact with me. I know there are brothers when they want to reach out to me, 
they'll hit me on Facebook video if I'm available or I feel like talking to them or taking their, their call or video chat, I'll take it. If I don't feel like it, you know, whoop to do. That's my right to continue on with my day. You know, if I miss it, I decide whether I want to return it later or not. And they don't hold that against me because they know that, hey, just like I got my own, my own autonomy, she's allowed hers. That's how men think. So they be like, you know, I get we get together when we can get together. But these males out here, they want you to reserve your life around them. You know, they want you to work a schedule that conveniences them. And that's just not how that work, little boy. So if you haven't called me, you don't want to talk to me that bad, okay? And even if you've called me and I haven't called you back, it could be a multitude of reasons for why I didn't call you back. And the most basic one could be because I just don't feel like fucking talking to you, you know? And sometimes it's not even just about you. I don't feel like talking to nobody, you know? And But if every time I do talk to you, you say things that are improper and out of line. Oh, that's another thing. Let me tell y'all males about this. I don't have a problem with a man paying me a compliment. But if me and you ain't like, you know, doing the do, there is a, a line I draw on the things that you can say to me publicly and privately. I have these boundaries. And when you start to impose yourself on these boundaries without permission, I distance myself from you because there are certain things that you can, that I don't need you telling me when I can hear that the implication is you trying to get with me, but I didn't already friend zone you and every, all my actions have told you that you are friend zone. Okay. So if all my actions have told you that you friend zone and you feel like you want something more than a friend zone, then you should just move on and like, don't, communicate with me on a regular basis you don't even have to communicate with me at all as a matter of fact if you can't separate you know your your desires from what I'm willing to offer you in terms of friendship or whatever and I'm not the only woman that this happens to when you young you see this sometimes as oh you know he finds me attractive you know he thinks i'm beautiful you know i'm still uncomfortable but hey this dude is digging me you know and what you find through the years though is when you get with these dudes who are digging you that they end up being full of shit it was more always more about ownership of you possession of you and then once they possess they feel like they possess you and control you then that's when they start showing you their ass. And I don't have time. I don't want to see no more asses. I have six children. So I've seen six asses plus some of the asses of my grandchildren, you know, changing diapers through the years. So I don't need to be seeing a grown man's ass. I don't need him to be giving me his ass. Okay. But that's what usually happens. And then I'm not, this is not said as a point of bragging or anything but there are those of us who have paved our own way we have businesses we're doing well with our businesses we just period have drive we might be out there that just like for the pant during this whole pandemic i sat down and wrote a book 
It wasn't like the largest book in the world, but it got the job done. And that was my first published book. I have written other books. I've got other manuscripts, but that was the first book that I published. And that's because I sat down and I said, this is my goal and I'm going to achieve it. And I did. And I didn't need anybody to motivate me to do it. The time, it was just that time. And it was something that I had said for years, oh, that's on my bucket list. That is on my to-do list. And so I made sure that that book became one of my achievements because that's what I want. I'm, I'm, I'm writing my second book now. I'm doing some rewrites and revision, you know, a lot of revisions and stuff to it. But I plan to have that book out before the year is over. The podcast. My podcast is something that I've wanted to do for really for years. And finally, I said, this is it. I actually wanted to start it back earlier in the year, but that's when this whole pandemic thing started and everybody's life just like, you know, things just changed like overnight. But what I'm saying is for people like us who are self-driven, self-motivating, we have a tendency to let people choose us who are not self-motivating, who are not self-driven. And those people, first they see you as this prize. And then when they get you, though, they don't value you as the prize that they pretended to see you as. All of a sudden, there's always a problem with who you are and what you're doing. And, you know, that's when the name calling starts. You know, you a feminist. You know, you a this, you a that. You got masculine qualities because you go out there and get your shit. Because you don't sit there waiting for somebody to give it to you. But they'll come up with all kind of things that you are because they feel like they can't compete with that person. So they have to level you. You know, they got to bring you down a few notches, show you that you ain't who you, you ain't as, as, as driven as you think you are. You ain't as talented and skilled as you thought you were when really you are, they are the ones who are projecting their deficiencies on you. So I want a lot of the young sisters out here to recognize that, that when these dudes come to you and they first, you, you like that treasure to them. And then all of a sudden things start changing and they start having little problems with what you do. And they want to little, they want to pick arguments and stuff like that. Though that the writing is already on the wall. Be careful how much of you, you give to people like that. Cause that's energy that you could have focused elsewhere and you could have kept it moving and you could have continued to build your empire or whatever it is you have set your sights on. Cause people like that will delay you. Okay. And I know, uh, I think that's some church stuff when they say delay is not denial or whatever, but in our lives, when you are with people who you incompatible with, those delays can deny you a lot of opportunities. So you have to go out there and you have to get, you have to continue. Your, don't let people take you off your mission. People who you're in relationships with should serve as a compliment to who you are. They shouldn't be people who complete you because you should already be complete. You don't need nobody to complete you. I mean, what you going to do? You just walking around 50% until you find another 50% to make a hundred percent. No, no, that doesn't make sense. So just half of you walking around, you just cutting half. You know, you take a pie chart, it's a circle. We're going to just cut it in half. And that's you. You just walking around one leg, one arm, one side of your. No, 
So that's not how you approach relationships. And when I said about the choose is certain people, they'll just keep giving us certain attentions. And even if we didn't even initially think that person was attractive because they continue to give those attentions, we start to rethink and start to entertain the what ifs and stuff. What if this is the one and I've just been, um, you know, just hardlining him. And, you know, I've heard of all these other times when people have done that only to end up together forever and all that fairy tales fuck us up all the time. <laughs> they really do. I'm telling you, I had so many fairy tales as a young girl about what a relationship was supposed to look like. And that really came from not having a lot of positive relationships to look at you know, as I was coming of age. So I made up in my mind what I thought a relationship was supposed to look like. Some of it, of course, came from books that I read that had their happily ever after endings. Some even came from the music. You know, R&B was good for that, you know, making you feel you were in love when, you know, really it was just a whole bunch of lusting and stuff going on. So, I mean, I man, when it comes to relationships, oh, my God, I could... I, sh I, I know I've earned some type of lifetime achievement award in fuck ups, <laughs> but that's all right because that's why I can be here today to talk to you about relationships and my lived experience in these relationships and how to better focus ourselves and make better choices and stuff down the line. You know, even at 50 and before it's all said and done with, I, I'll more than likely involve myself with someone at some point. You know, I've now, I've laid out what I would like, what I want to see from that type of relationship. You know, there are certain things that I don't want to repeat, you know, and I'm not going to cover all of those in this podcast because I'm trying to keep my podcast to under 30 minutes. So that way it's not, you know, it's not too long. You can get it in and, you know, go about your business. I mean, if I can get them down to 15 minutes, that would even be good. But We'll see. We'll see. But right now I'm just working on that 30 minutes and I think I have about maybe nine minutes left somewhere around there. So I'm not going to, you know, launch into uh, my whole list. You know, those lists that you made as, as a young girl. And, you know, I never really made those types of lists uh, so much on paper as much as I did in my head. But my list always went something like I ain't going to never have a molester living in my house. You know, I, I'm, I'm never going to do this. I'm never going to do it. And it was always based off of what I saw as shortcomings in the relationships that my mother had. Because my mother, she, a beautiful person that she was, when it came to relationships, her choices were, uh, they were like mine. I mean, they were horrible choices. We had this tendency to either uh, become involved with people who were not emotionally available to us are people who had questionable character. You know, in my case, you know, there was a whole lot of emotional unavailability and there were some questionable characters. You know, now I've never brought anyone into my house who would molest my children because uh, let me just say that um, they mama and daddy and them would have been burying them because I'm just not going to let that type of person come into my house. You're not coming around my children like that. We, we can't have that type of relationship. But it, 
even though I didn't have any of that, my children can say, well, you know, yeah, my mama didn't bring nobody like that. But the characters that did come into our lives did just as much damage, you know, mentally and emotionally. Cause you know, and that's the thing with your children, when these people come into your, your, your life and you bring them into your children's lives. So you have to be very, very careful about the people you bring into the lives of your children. If you are someone who already has, you know, who, who already has children, because it can affect them for the rest of their life. Most of the people that we encounter, a great majority of the people that we encounter who we were, we would say are of bad character are people who were traumatized in childhood and they brought those childhood traumas into adulthood and they're now living as traumatized adults. And that that's that. And it's usually, it's been a cycle somewhere along the line. They were hurt as a child. Whoever hurt them was usually someone who was also hurt as a, as a child. And that cycle just continues. It's, it's just as contagious as what this pandemic is supposed to be, you know, the, the virus and stuff that's out there. And it goes, unlike that virus though, this, this pandemic, this virus, uh, the one where people pass on their traumas to other people, to other children, to children who then pass it on, grow up into adulthood and pass it on to others. This one goes, runs for generations. And it is destructive. It is a very dangerous thing. So we have to be really careful about the people that we bring into the lives of our children. Just because you're seeing somebody doesn't mean that they need to see your children. You know, you can see people outside your house. They don't have to sleep in your bed. You know, I, for me, that's one of the things that is going to be, it would be really hard for me at this point in time to say that I want somebody to stay in my bed every day. You know why? Because I found out that there's not many people, not many men I come across like that, that have the same, like I have this need for my bed to be made most days. And most men that I've had relationships with could care, couldn't care less whether a bed is made, they don't give a fuck about a bed being made. You know, matter of fact, they want to mess it up. So it just, you know, and men live differently than women do my room. I want my room to have a feminine energy, a feminine air about it. And it's kind of hard for it to have a feminine air about it. If the room looks feminine, but you got dirty boxes on the floor and you know, you've got just an unkept side of the room. And I mean, it just, I, I guess you could just say, I just want my peace at this point in time, but I can see you outside, you know, well, I can see you, we can date outside. You know, I hope you have a place. I would hope that a man my age has his own place. You know, I mean, it, you shouldn't still be living in your childhood bed. You know, if you had like this twin bed coming up, you shouldn't still be living in the twin bed in your mama house and seeking women. You know, you shouldn't even be seeking women if you don't like have some source of income. You know, I even tell that to my grandsons and stuff when they talk about, oh, I got a girlfriend. You don't have no girlfriend because you can't even support, you can't even take her out on a date. So you need to get an income source first. That should be your first priority. You get an income source and you don't even have to go looking for girls. They will find you. You just got to make sure that when they find you, that is the right one that finds you. 
But other than that, no, you know, I, I, and, and society hypersexualizes our children. So at the ages of nine and 10 and 11 and stuff, they out there looking for boyfriends and girlfriends. And then you got adults who the children can even be in daycare and they pushing that notion, that hypersexualization, you know, of, oh yeah, her little boyfriend at the daycare. And, you know, and they're saying that to the child and talking about, he gave her a kiss on the cheek. That right there, you just began the sexual, the hypersexualization of your child at a young age before this child can even has even developed an understanding of having a relationship with her parents and his parents. You have already sanctioned your children. And to y'all, yeah, it may sound all innocent and stuff, and a lot of us probably are guilty of it, but it's that's how it starts and from there with all the technology that is available you know you've got children who are not even teenagers yet seeing very questionable stuff online they're having adult conversations you know and they don't know they don't really know what they're doing but that's the hand that they've been dealt so again like i said we just we have to practice a little bit more caution when it comes to what our children are introduced to and the people that they're introduced to because it's 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 imperative that they be in the company of more positive people than they are those with unhealthy behaviors and at with that said I'm going to in this podcast because I'm getting really close to my 30 minute mark and like I said I really don't want to go over Thank you for sitting through this podcast with me. I hope all of you have a nice evening. If you have uh, show ideas for a future podcast, be sure to share those with me. I am going to have like a little comment section with the podcast uh, host that I'm using. So that way you guys can leave comments. Uh, I You can leave ideas for future shows that you would like me to cover as far as relationships go. And with that said, again, thank you so much for being here. This is Nandi. You've just listened to the Codename Sister Podcast with Nandi.